Oh, hey there, everyone. <laughs> Welcome to the Running Anthropologist podcast, episode number 23, and we're about to arrive to the virtual studios of Ontario, Canada. Why? Because we're featuring not one or two, but three outstanding Canadians that work with Team Unbreakable. Um, they're working to help solve youth and family mental health crises through running. And I think the one message that you'll hear throughout all their stories is the incredible power that it has to help, and especially with the group, to talk through problems and to please share their resources. Uh, this podcast, the website, anything that you can, share it with teachers, counselors, youth workers, anyone that might be able to use it. And last but not least, oh, I think I hear they're warming up in there, so we'd better hurry up. I'm Mark Lane Holbert. This is The Running Anthropologist, and I'll join you at the end. Enjoy. And a warm welcome to the program, Dan McGann, who's joining us from a suburb of Ontario, Mississauga, and he has started a program with young people and their families in Ontario province of Canada, which has gained a lot of notoriety and spread the word across the country. And we're so excited to have him. I've been looking forward to this interview for a long time. Um, thanks so much for joining us, Dan. Thanks for so much for having me, Mark. Appreciate it. Definitely. And as we get started, um, I'd just like to ask, so I just wanted to ask you kind of how you got started running personally and, you know, how you found your way to, uh, to using this in your therapy. Well, I, Mark, I, I guess it's a bit of a, a, a long story. I started running when I was a, a young kid uh, growing up in a small town in northern Ontario, uh, Collingwood. And uh, uh, first I was running from bullies, as I told you before. And then uh, later I used running as, as a way to, uh, to sort of cope with stress and, and to deal with challenges that were in my life at that time. Um, both my parents struggled with mental health issues. Uh, my dad, particularly with addiction, um, he left my mother with uh, four boys all by herself when I was just eight years of age. I had another brother uh, who passed away. So there was a lot of stress and challenge in my life early on and for my family. Um, God bless my mom, who's worked really hard to sort of keep it all together. But um, often, as, a, as I do presentations in the community on destigmatizing mental health, um, I share my own personal story. So I, then I'm not... I'm not embarrassed or uh, feel any kind of shame because of what I went through. In fact, I think it's part of uh, the juice and the energy that motivates me to do what I do. I often say that I started my career as a therapist when I was eight because I had to work very, very hard as a young guy, the oldest of, of uh, five boys to, to keep it all together. Hmm. And part of what I did to do that was I was on the track team, cross-country team, and I ran a lot. Um, often very late at night, hmm. you know, around midnight or so, when it was all quiet and everybody was asleep, and I, w I would just run al along the shores of Georgian Bay and um, find a rock and just sit there and meditate for a while and then run home. So I always had that fond memory. Um, and then um, going through 
high school, I was a bit of a, I was a bit of a challenge behaviorally, uh, but I managed to do that, and I got into uh, university and struggled through uh, my BA in psychology, and then worked for a few years and uh, got married, started did graduate work at University of Toronto in in social work, and um, you know started my career from there. And then at about my late 30s, early 40s, I, I got nailed with a major depressive episode. I hadn't run for years. I hadn't barely been doing any kind of exercise. So I pretty much neglected my uh, myself for a number of years and just pushed, hmm. you know, to uh, in my career and taking care of my kids and my, my wife. So kind of lost focus. <clears throat> but the, the depression that I went through refocused me. Uh, and um, my doctor at the time said, hey, you know, get, get back into some sort of physical um, exercise to help you with your mood. And that's when I started with the, um, I don't know if you have them, I think you do down in the States, the running room. Um, uh, okay. It's, yeah, it's, so I started that uh, with the, just to learn to run 5K, and that, that felt great. So I never thought I could do a 10K, so I, you know, I pursued that, I did a 10K, and then... Next thing you know, a half marathon becomes possible. And then after a half marathon, uh, my coach said, well, hey, there's this, this 30K around Hamilton Bay that we could do, which is a, um, uh, a warm-up uh, to the Boston Marathon. It's, it's quite a challenging 30K run around Hamilton Bay, lots of hills. So a lot of people who are prepping to go to Boston uh, will do this run. Yeah. Uh, so I did that, and that just was amazing and so my coach says well if you can do a 30k around the bay you can do a full marathon so i did my first full marathon in uh, may of 2006 and uh, at that time i was just my depression had lifted i was feeling really good i was feeling really connected to my life and my family at that time so i went to the chief of psychiatry at the time at the hospital where i work in in mississauga the credit valley hospital or trillium health partners is what they call it now um, and said, I'd like to do a project where I take um, depression, uh, teens with depression and anxiety and take them running twice a week for 12 weeks and finish with a, uh, a five-kilometer run and see what happens. And uh, he gave me his blessing, and we started that back in uh, September of 2006, and uh, we've grown from like nine or ten teens now up to like as high as 45. That's great. Um, and we've included families as well. So it's really sort of branched out and uh, um, it's been quite the success. Um, and it's been quite a joy and, and uh, a great experience for me too. Yeah, I've, I've, I've seen the joy and I've seen some of the videos that you all have produced, um, including the, the feature length film, RX Run. And uh, the kids seem so... And their families seem so grateful and joyful. You know, it's almost as if they've discovered this hidden, you know, this hidden gem that, that nobody knew was there. You know, that if I run, I can somehow um, get past these obstacles and I can somehow feel better about myself. And just, I guess, some things that come intuitively for those of us in the in the running world. Maybe we even take them for exactly. granted, you know? Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, it, you know when you, Mark, when you're running with your buddies, and you know sometimes if you're like you're training for a marathon, you're out there for a couple hours. It, it, what struck me as a uh, psychotherapist is that 
what we talk about on the road. We talk about some pretty intimate and personal stuff, right out there. And I, I think it's it's just naturally therapeutic for us, not just uh, the, from the physical aspect, from the psycho spiritual aspect of it as well. You know what we say is what we what, you know, what we say on the road stays on the road kind of thing. Uh, but to your point, in terms of the kids, uh, the teens and the families really connecting in a different way um, uh, emotionally and psychologically through the RUN program, I, I, what, what's really, I think, is key to this is that often developmentally, when you think about it, uh, when you're teenagers, your, your personality, your confidence in yourself, that vulnerability is... Uh, is pretty prevalent and, and therefore difficult for young people to uh, be motivated or willing to go sit down in a chair in front of a therapist and to talk about their depression and their anxiety, their addiction, hmm. their struggles. It's, it's, sure. really, it's really quite a courageous thing when you think about it uh, to expect that these young people uh, would willingly engage in such a, uh, a risky task. Hmm. So I think it's hard for a lot of adults to do that, to, to admit, oh, i got a problem, I want to sit down and, and talk about it. So the what the RUN group therapy program does is it, it creates a health-based approach. So I'm not forcing anybody to sit down in a chair and talk about their problems, but we're, we're coming together to focus in on something where we're moving forward to feel feeling better. We're still addressing the, the, the therapeutic ideas in cognitive behavioral therapy and how to examine issues and, and deal with them and moving forward. Um, but it's a, it's, it's not an in your face kind of thing. And it's, a, it's, it's couched in a real positive energetic, um, um, activity that gives them a sense of at the end of each group group, Hey, look what we did today. That feels good. And we do that continuously over the course of 12 weeks. I think it makes a difference. Yeah, definitely. And I, Dan, I, I have to say, looking at your, you know, your fall lineup here, you've got this down to a science. I mean, you've got twice a week um, young people and their families joining for very inspirational talks on everything mm-hmm. from, uh, you know, from finding the magic within you to setting goals to overcoming obstacles. And in between there, I, as I understand it, you know, after they talk, they go out for a run at their own pace. They have people to talk to, um, mm-hmm. questions to focus on. Is that kind of the, the flow of the group? Absolutely. So every Tuesday night we meet, uh, and uh, I have a speaker every Tuesday night. Usually uh, someone uh, that is not only a professional, uh, uh, but somebody who's gone through some significant mental health challenges uh, themselves. So uh, I've had police officers um, journalists, um, firefighters, uh, nurses, doctors, um, and also, um, you know, personal trainers. And, uh, quite often a lot of my graduates now, because I've been doing the group for 14 years, hmm. uh, a lot of my teen graduates that have gone off to university and now are in careers themselves, uh, have come back and said, Hey, I was exactly where you are. And this is what, what I did to get through. So there's a sort of a connection, a validation, uh, a sense of hope that's created with these speakers. So yeah, every Tuesday night we have a speaker and then right after uh, we go for a, like a 20 minute, half hour uh, jog or walk. And then we meet again Saturday morning 
which is a real challenge for teenagers, you know, like at 8.30 a.m. I think I, I, it's kind of a validation for me as a clinician. If I can get, uh, you know, 20, 25 teenagers and their families out at 8.30 on a Saturday morning that uh, something's working. Yeah, sure. So, so when when they come on Saturday morning, I, I do a little bit of a what we call mindfulness meditation, or in other words, bringing everybody into this moment, mm-hmm. not being caught up in you know, the trials and tribulations of yesterday or the worries of tomorrow. And I say, hey, the creative process is right here, right now. And let's get in, in contact with that and what you can intentionally create today that'll make this day a good day. Hmm. And even if it's snowing or raining or blowing or it's cold outside, um, we're running. And uh, I, I use those, in fact, those opportunities when the weather is the most miserable to say, hey, we have an opportunity here. Okay. This is not a bad thing. This is a good thing that we have this adversity outside because that's what it's all about. Hmm. Is how do we build confidence in running towards adversity and not just pulling the sheets over our head and, and avoiding it? We're going to get the most strength. We're going to get the opportunity to really define ourselves or realize who we are, who we can be when we get out there and we hit, you know, those hills in the snow and the rain and the wind. They think I'm a bit crazy at first, but they, <laughs> they get it after a while. Yeah. As, as it is often up there, I'm, um, I'm from Michigan, just over the border from Ontario. Right. And you and, guys are you know, leading up to, uh, I think, your, your race is at the end of November this fall, the... Uh, unbreakable bold and cold so i'm sure it's quite cold by then Mm -hmm. that's uh that's a great thing to lead up to and a great thing for them to learn um dan would you say that the the film um rx run um is that a pretty candid and and uh accurate portrayal of kind of how the how the program goes and how the weekly runs go yeah absolutely i think what um Bruce Baccalarian, the, the producer and director, uh, wanted to do is he wanted to show the sort of the meat of the group and uh, um, how it's structured and what, what kind of speakers we have and um, that kind of thing. So, yeah, the group, I think, is a good representation of the kinds of things that happens in the group, what we discuss, and the kinds of um, young people uh, that are participating uh, in in the group program. Uh, that in that documentary you see we follow three young people and their parents um emily who struggles with depression and who's had uh feelings of suicidal ideation from time to time and and um another young man uh who lost his girlfriend while walking across the street she was hit by a car and killed Mm. and then uh, mckenzie who's had uh, a lot of um uh, pain related to anxiety and her struggles and how the three of them really kind of confront those issues and um, proceed through or pursue through the uh, the run program so everybody that that's sort of a like that was one group mm-hmm. what I was telling to I was talking to one of the coaches the other day and I said you know after 14 years what really strikes me is that every group has a different dynamic because, yeah. Of course it does, right? Because we're going to have, even though we have that, that common uh, issue of everybody having a mental health issue, depression, anxiety, addiction issues, self-esteem, that kind of thing, uh, there's very different kind of challenges and personalities that kind of just makes it so much more fun hmm. um, 
and interesting for sure. And to see them overcome those challenges so so different and so make those friendships that are so unique is, uh, yeah, is really a gift. Mm-hmm. Okay. So the, the quote that, that I've seen a few times and that, that you actually sent me connected to the current project is the worst thing you can do in the face of adversity is nothing. Uh, yeah. You need to move to overcome, to get moving. What, you know, how, how have you seen that, um, you know, kind of play forward? And I, I know that this, this movement has grown um, into what's called unbreakable. And, you know, how is that moving forward and what, what is the concept behind that? Um, well, I guess the concept in that is that um, when we stand still or do nothing or or we retreat in the face of adversity, it uh, we surrender to the negative um, energy that goes with that. Um, only when we move forward, when we face those issues that are, are challenging us, that are um, pursuing us, that, that we have an opportunity to really make changes, to really create something that's new or better. Um, <clears throat> I think that you, that when you're referencing the term um, unbreakable or team unbreakable, um, that origin comes from a one of a, a, the girls in our one of our first groups, Haley, and uh, uh, she uh, she was a young girl who struggled with a lot of depression and low self esteem, and she was actively um, self harming herself as a way to cope. Mm. <clears throat> and she, th- that sort of retreat or surrender into the problem just made her feel felt feel worse. And she just continued to spiral in that place of retreat and, and self-destruction with the self-harm. Um, she tried a number of different psychotherapies, medications. Uh, none of them seemed to work. She had been hospitalized. And um, one of her doctors uh, who had known about my group referred her to, to me in the run group program. And um, with she would tell you was a lot of hesitation and she, uh, <laughs> she agreed to do the group. And then after uh, a period of time, she, she really started to connect with the, the whole idea of movement of engaging in the face of her struggles. And it started to, to give her a sense of accomplishment, uh, a sense of growth. Um, and she, uh, she started to, f- to feel, and she used that term, I started to feel unbreakable. Mm-hmm. When I'm moving, when I'm engaging, and I'm not surrendering, I feel unbreakable. Um, it's just, you know, it's interesting. I'm just reading uh, David Goggin's book, um, You Can't Hurt Me, uh, Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. right now. And he has a similar message where he says, you know, like, you can't hurt me. if you Like, if you face your fears, if you face... And you accept that you know there are challenges there. You don't run from them. Then you get stronger. And I think Haley is sort of is a good uh, example of of that courage and moving forward and and dealing with it to that point where you just feel unbreakable. And that's I, my hope that and the idea I think behind the group is that when when everybody gets moving and they they intentionally uh, run in. The, the unclement weather, weather and up those hills and they face that adversity that, that it, it, you have this generalized effect you know it's not just the running experience it's it just it's it's 
it has a, a, a tidal wave of connecting and validating, hey, I can do this. If I can do this here, maybe I can do this in the classroom or in my relationships or in my job. So yeah, that's, uh, amazing. that's the whole idea behind it. And, and without knowing so, she, you know, I, I don't know all of the details, but without knowing so, she kind of coined the, the name or the term that would help this running group to spread uh, throughout Canada and into the States in some cases. <laughs> exactly. There's a, a uh, my hero, uh, David Harris, he's a, uh, he's a dad that I met in um, 2007 at, the, at one of the marathons I was running, Mississauga Marathon, and he shared his story that he had lost his son in 2005 to suicide. Hmm. And part of what he was doing to cope was was to run and so i told him about this group and he was just like wow i, I want to do this so he which was very courageous for him the first couple of groups for him were just overwhelming mm-hmm. as you can imagine he had his son had struggled with depression for a lot of years and ended up taking his life so to be in a in a group environment where he was volunteering as a coach um it was he had a few shaky nights where he he uh, was feeling a bit overwhelmed, but he he took that and he developed um, his own char- uh, non-charitable organization. No, it was his own organization, charitable organization called um, at the time it was called Cameron Helps because his son's name was Cameron, and that morphed. And after Haley's story, he really identified with Haley's story, uh, and so he could he developed the term Team Unbreakable. Huh. Uh, so the funding that he was generating. Uh, to replicate the the run program in as many schools and and agencies agencies community agencies as he could um, took on that label team unbreakable so he he really pioneered that uh, a number of years ago in spreading the word such that they were in like 40 to 60 schools across uh, Toronto and uh, the various suburbs and in other um, provinces even as far as Victoria, BC. Wow, that's great. And as, as a sidebar, I should note that um, anyone listening who has some connection to, uh, to educational programs or therapy programs and would like to find resources, the, the Unbreakable website is, is really wonderful. It's got some really practical tools and ways to connect with you guys um, and get one started. Absolutely. Uh, that's a really good point. And I think if you reach out to them, they have developed a... Um, like a template, a startup kit for anybody who's interested in, in starting their own community-based or school-based um, run program, um, they'd be willing to share that template with you. And that, that is, it's based on the program that uh, I'm doing through uh, Trillium Health Partners Hospital. So it has the same structure. It has the same idea in terms of uh, presenters and uh, the concepts that are taught um, throughout the group. So, you know, by all means, reach out to them and, um, and they'll be happy to help you out. Wow. That's fantastic. And, and that track record of experience and, um, you know, what has worked and what they've learned, um, that's, that's invaluable. You know, I think it'll help a lot of young people and I hope, I hope we'll spread even more into the States because it's, it's sorely needed as, as you know, in, in so many communities. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, let's let's shift gears a, a little bit. I'd, I'd like to ask you about kind of, um, 
you know, as compared to traditional therapy, um, you've mentioned um, a little bit about how your methods and your vision has changed a bit over time, um, the trial and error. Um, you know, would you like to share anything about what that's been like and in any of your, your own challenges in, in putting this together? Um, I, I guess if you would look at, at, at the, the way I work just generally as a psychotherapist, I, I'm fairly eclectic. I'm, I'm pretty much uh, focused in on strength. I'm a strength-based therapist, so I focus, uh, we'll call it the 28-year-old. So you look at overall people statistically that uh, have a, a, a good rating of, of their life satisfaction. Um, they generally don't perseverate on the problem. They don't spend more than 20% of their focus on the problem. They put 80% of their attention on the solution. So I, that's the way I practice. So I try to, to, yes, address the struggle and then emphasize the how and what questions. How are we going to make this better? What can we do today to make today a better day? So it's a whole mind-body kind of thing. The, for the physical stuff, are you, are you getting a good night's sleep? Are you eating properly? Um, are you drinking plenty of water? Are you engaging intentionally your body in a way that it makes it feel better? Hmm. And a lot of this is in sports psychology, right? And how you warm up before a game, you know, you get everything moving in your body so that when you hit the, the basketball uh, court or you're on the golf green, that like you're just you're engaged, hmm. right? So <clears throat> I really promote a lot of that in terms of how you work your body, move your body to feel better. And similarly with the mind, how you focus, you intentionally focus, habits and focus that uh, contribute to your sense of well-being. is what I call um, <clears throat> brain brushing. So, right, you huh. brush your teeth every day because it's a habit. <laughs> and so I often use this in the, in the group of reference to, the, the, to that habit of, of uh, brushing your teeth and that uh, what they want to do is develop a habit of also starting each day brain brushing. In other words, clearing out all the, the crap of yesterday and the worries of tomorrow and intentionally decide three things. How am I going to grow today? How am I going to give back? And what's at least one thing I'm grateful for? Hmm. And if they, if they can focus on those three things first thing in the morning, they'll find that it increases the potential of them having uh, a better morning uh, because they're deciding intentionally I'm taking control of the steering wheel of my life and my feelings and my emotions and my thoughts and I'm moving in this direction I'm not being pushed around you know by you know uh, my horoscope the weather or what's going on in politics or whatever you know I'm deciding what I want to do and creating that muscle developing that muscle of attention intentionality of deciding this is what i want to do today i'm going to go for a run i'm going to notice how good it feels how i'm growing how i'm being there for my fellow runners you know as a supportive person and uh, what i'm grateful for to have this experience because it's the opposite right when you're depressed or you're anxious all your focus goes in hmm. you it goes into this black hole of darkness so when you can focus in on those ideas of growth um giving and gratitude then it really starts to make a difference so that that kind of concept is 
has evolved over the years from more of the, the traditional kind of approach, just the basic CBT, hmm. which I, I use that stuff as well, like using logic questions um, to evaluate our fears because often when we get depressed or anxious, everything gets magnified, but we can break it down using you know, certain questions um, to evaluate it. So sure. it, it, it's a very solution-based, strength-based approach that I use in, in the run group, and that's where basically where it is now, and, and in my psychotherapy as well. Those, I, I really like those three big G's because we hear about them all the time, you know, people mm-hmm. in, in, in therapy or in meditation, whether or not they, they recognize it, that growth and uh, that gratitude and that giving back, they're always, you know, they're kind of always part of it. So those three questions, I think, are a good way to start. Well, and where I take that another step further in the run group is, I don't think I've mentioned it before, but um, after the teens have completed a two group series, um, I give them the opportunity to come back and volunteer. Hmm. So, so it's another step up for them in terms of their sense of mastery and a sense of contribution, their sense of well-being, to have an opportunity after they've you know, run a couple of groups and completed a couple of five or 10K mer- uh, runs that they can come back and help other young people coming in. I think that's just, that's another powerful level of uh, experience for them that really puts them in a much better place. Yeah, young people always listen much more to their peers than they listen to us. Eh? So that's <laughs> that's a good reality to, uh, you know, to recognize. They're, they're going to be turned on and hearing uh, 80 to 100 percent of what you know what someone that is recently their age and has been through it has to say so I, I think that's a, that's an awesome tool for the kids and then of course also the number you know if you're giving back you're doing healing for yourself so that's you know I'm sure that that um, that helps a lot of people who are graduated from the program yeah absolutely um, you know, Dan, um, I, I've often said that um, Canada is like the, uh, the California uh, <laughs> in that it produces, it's only got 10% of the population of the U.S., but it produces so much innovation and so many people doing amazing things. And I think this Unbreakable program is, is definitely a great example of it, um, you know, just the, um, the support the, that Canada has provided through, as you said, the willingness of a major healthcare program to, to engage in this type of therapy is, just tells volumes about uh, the willingness of uh, communities to engage with this. Um, do you see it spreading, um, you know, further afield to other parts of the world? Uh, do you think it would work in other other contexts or other healthcare systems? Yeah, absolutely. Um... I, I, as I mentioned, there have been a few places I've been contacted in the States and Great Britain was the last, uh, I was reached, somebody reached out for me from, uh, uh, from Great Britain a little while ago. So it, it I think it, you know, it's, you and I, Mark, as runners, you said earlier, kind of intuitively makes sense, right? That this Definitely. would, this would help. And we know that just, as being a part of the, the human race that when we engage and we exercise and we move in a positive way, we move our bodies in a positive way and we're with positive people and we're and generally runners are pretty positive people. I think, um, I think there's a few of us out there that struggle, but most of us are pretty positive when we're out there and we're really supportive of each other along the journey. And it's like a band of brothers and, and, 
sisters. We like we really support each other, you know, to get to that finish line. Mm-hmm. And it's the that experience of accomplishing something like, you know, doing a five k to running a marathon or an Ironman. There is something quite transformational that happens there. So I I I the, I just think this is just a natural. Uh, thought that um, moving more from the the medical model of just treating with medicine and sitting in a chair and reflecting on ideas in in the form of therapy that w- when we connect those ideas of movement and health and the ideas of medicine and therapy it, they all get they all have a, um, a an impact um, that's beneficial. So, yeah. And the, you know, the idea, I think that streams through this for me is that, um, you know, mental health services are a basic human right, you know, for young people and that they should have the opportunity to, um, to engage physically, you know, it tears at your heartstrings when you hear, you know, like phys ed or sports programs being cut, um, which yeah. are some of the big means that um, that young people have to to move and express themselves, and um, I just hope that um, you know American healthcare and American schools take take notice, and that more and more um, more and more people are able to connect to Unbreakable and able to do similar work um, to what you all have done in your in your town. I'm sure that any youth that needs to be served and wants to be engaged with this program. How's the opportunity in Mississauga? Yeah, absolutely. The only thing is that they just have um, they just have to be cleared by, the, by their physician. There are just certain basic things that we do to make sure that everybody's okay to participate. So I, I ask that all my participants uh, see their family physician and you know just wave off that there's no sort of medical issues that might. Um, make uh, participating in the program a risk for them, like, you know, heart issues or other medical conditions that, um, you know, we need to be aware of. Um, Yes, but it generally, uh, at the Credit Valley Hospital, if, if, um, you know, a young person between the ages of 14 and um, 25 are struggling with a mental health issue, um, they're eligible to participate, so. That's amazing. It's amazing, Dan. And, you know, I, I really, as I've said several times, I really appreciate you coming up with this and just being there uh, for all of us that want to learn about it. I mean, I reached out to you and the very next day you said, OK, let's do it. You know, let's uh, let's spread the word. So I, I'm so grateful for that and being such a great uh, evangelizer of, of mental health for young people. Uh, thank well, I'm you. Just totally excited about it. I mean, I'm, I I am an evangelical, I guess, in the, in the <laughs> sense of like, getting the, the the word out to as many people as possible, and and really do highly recommend anybody out there who's who's looking to develop a similar program. Um, you won't regret it. Number one, it, it will have an impact on uh, the young people and the families that you uh, you engage with, and. Um, uh, don't hesitate to reach out to uh, Team Unbreakable. Uh, the uh, uh, their website and uh, David Harris there and his team. They will give you the information, support you in any way that they can to um, to help you get started. Awesome, and I'll I'll be sure to post all those links as well as links to your film and short videos um, that people can engage with and and, and learn more. 
So that's great, Mike. Thanks very much. Well, thanks for thanks for you, and thanks for your hope for the future. I, I appreciate your time, and uh, happy running. My pleasure. You too. Thanks, Dan. Welcome to The Running Anthropologist, uh, David Harris, the founder of originally Cameron Helps, which is now turned into Team Unbreakable. Um, we're so grateful to have you on the program. Well, it's great to be here. Um, I guess I just wanted to start out by, by asking, you know, how all this got started and a little bit about, um, you know, your personal story. Yeah, well, um, you know, it, it all started with... Um, back actually in, in 2003, and, uh, you know, I had, I had developed a, a serious weight problem, and um, I was over 200 pounds, borderline diabetic, um, major health issues, and also suffering some you know, some mental health issues as well, and kind of looked in the mirror and decided, you know, I had to make a change, and I read a book called Body for Life. Um, after reading that, I started to run, and after that, things started to, to certainly to change for me. It was kind of going into 2004 and 2005, and um, during 2005, um, uh, my oldest son, Cameron, who was 19, uh, took his own life. And during that, I, um, you know, I, you know, it was a terrible, it was the worst thing that could happen to any father. Um, the reason I mentioned about the beginning of, um, you know, losing the weight and so on, um, I don't think I'd be here today if it wasn't for running, um, because it, it truly did save my life at the time. I was, uh, physically in good shape and I think that really, really saved me. And, and during the time when, when, when Cameron did pass, it was, uh, the one solace that I had where I could get out, just forget even for 10 seconds that, you know, what was going on in my life. Uh, during that time, I um, I decided that um, I guess about a month or two in that I really needed to do something, and, and um, that came in the form of something to do with teen suicide and and prevention. And we had originally started off the organization was called Cameron Helps, and uh, the beginnings were just raising awareness and trying to find out what you know exactly what that meant um, during in, during 2005 and, and the couple of years after that, it was it was difficult. You know, suicide was like the the C word many years ago of cancer. The people just didn't want to talk about it, so it was very difficult. So anyway, we uh, we founded the organization, and then uh, two years in, um, I had also set a crazy goal and. That was to run 19 consecutive Mississauga marathons. I decided in 2005 that I was going to run my first marathon, and I decided to dedicate that to Cameron, and then decided to run 19 consecutive marathons at Mississauga, uh, Mississauga Marathon each year, representing a year of his life. Um, so the second one that I ran, uh, I met a guy by the name of Dan McGann. Um, Dan had a running program going on at uh, the hospital, which really intrigued me. Um, we were actually talking at the start of the marathon about half an hour before the race began, and we decided, you know, after talking for a good 25 minutes, we better, we better run the race. So, anyway, we picked up the conversation afterwards. Um, uh, really liked what he was doing. Uh, I became a volunteer coach uh, with the program, 
and uh, it was really instrumental for me to, number one, be able to face my fears of losing my son, dealing with, with a number of kids that were in that program that were suffering, you know, deeply with mental health issues, uh, and then uh, just taking it from there and taking Dan's program and really recognizing that there was a, truly a need um, for for that program to to be expanded. Um, so with that, after being involved in it for a number of years, uh, probably two or three years in, um, the name Team Unbreakable came out of one of the one of the kids in the program. The unbreakable meaning just something was a word for her that meant that she was unbreakable. And um, so the name Team Unbreakable kind of came from that. We decided to change the name of Cameron Helps to Team Unbreakable, and uh, and then decided then to move it into uh, to a school program. Oh, and uh, yeah, so that kind of the sort of a little bit of the background of kind of where it's all come from. I've now run I've run uh, a total of uh, fifteen Mississauga marathons. So it, you know it's it's been a while now. I've got four more to go. Um, during that time, the Team Unbreakable Running Program, we've helped literally thousands of uh, kids throughout um, the greater Toronto area um, and, you know, hoping to expand and grow it, uh, hopefully across the, across Canada and, and hopefully beyond that. And so it's, uh, it's been a wild ride, but it's, uh, you know, we've, I think we've done some really good things in the process. Yeah, and learning along the way. I think you know, with a program like this, some mm-hmm. of the some of the magic is that there's trial and error, and you come up with some good systems. Hopefully, that others yes. others can use. Um, so, yeah. I, I know that in Toronto area, it's quite you know doing great things and quite quite well known. Um, what What are some other areas that you all have helped um, schools or counseling programs um, with resources to start their own programs? Well, we initially when we we decided to to do this, um, I had a very good friend who was um, also on the on the board. Um, he actually took three months to develop a, a curriculum guideline to go along with with the things that we were doing. So we we actually worked worked with uh, some teachers in in the Toronto area, actually in, in Mississauga, most of Toronto, um, to help develop a, a curriculum. Um, focus to it so um you know since then um you know and and you know i will say this is this has come with with a lot of challenges um Mm. you know because it's an after school program and also dealing with just school boards in general it's a challenge Mm. um because there there there's so many um you know guidelines that you have to adhere to in order to even get a program adopted. And, and once you do get it adopted in, in a school, then you've got to deal with, you know, teachers move from one school to another. So you might have a, you know, a, a really great, you know, school program going, but then that teacher leaves and then you're back to square one again. Hmm. So, um, you know, Nils is, is one that has, because of his running background and also his uh, his background in mental health, he's really been instrumental in, in really driving the program in Toronto and, and making it work. Oh, that's so, fantastic. Uh, yeah. 
Yeah, I know that you get inquiries and the resources are free and that um, Nils, whom we'll hear from later in the program, um, kind of reaches out yeah. and um, supports, you know, supports people along the way and helping to mm-hmm. navigate it. That's great. So we were fortunate that we were able to get some grants uh, through through the government. Um, and these were uh, lottery grants that we that we got. Um, that kind of helped us to, to really get things going. Um, like any grants, though, that they run out. Um, our, uh, one of the big challenges we've had is sustainability. Um, kind of finding it's hard to find that one donor, you know, that has has millions millions of dollars that can, you know help us to, to, to get over the hump. Hmm. Um, so it, it, it's, it's been a challenge. Um, you know, so we, as I said, we have had our, our ups and downs like any charity does. So it, it's, um, but there's a passion within our board and with, with the belief in what we're doing. Um, and, uh, you know, I've been a witness to, to many kids, um, not only throughout, uh, our program, but also throughout, Dan's program that, um, you know, that their lives have been changed dramatically. And, you know, it's a simple thing of learning, just learning how to run. Um, and I, you know, I know that, that, you know, people that understand that, um, and, you know, and I, you know, can only speak, speak from personal experience, you know, that, that when I say it's, it's truly saved my life, it has. And, uh, uh, even this morning, I went out for you know, for a nice long run and and just to clear my head. And the things that come from uh, that coping strategy uh, for me um, is is just one that I'll take with me for the rest of my life. So you have this, you know, and I still have the picture, you know, of when I started. And uh, so I do a lot of uh, presentations in schools and uh, and. Uh, when I do those things, you know, I, I, I show that picture. This is, this is, this was me. <laughs> this is me. And, and, you know, and, and they kind of, you know, kids kind of go, wow, you know, you're a fat. <laughs> <laughs> so that, that was 2003. And then you, you'd mentioned that, um, you were well into, um, running and having a running, uh, routine and well, what? Yeah, so that so 2003, and then by the time I so 2004, I had changed my jobs. I was working for a corporate, uh, actually for a a company that had started up corporate wellness programs. So I entirely changed my career. So I went into corporate wellness. I was working with Canada Post and doing, doing presentations with Canada Post, and really, you know, loving what I was doing. And then during kind of the latter part of 2004, Cameron died on February 14th, uh, 2005, and it was probably about two months, probably about two or three months before that, I said, you know what, I, I'm now at the point, I really love this running thing, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to train for a marathon, having no idea what that actually meant. Mm-hmm. <laughs> really, I really didn't. Because <laughs> I think up until that point, I'd probably run about 10K. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, you know, or in U.S. terms, like maybe three or four miles, that's sort of five miles or whatever. So, mm. so it was um, really it was Cameron's struggle with mental health that that led you down that path to founding Cameron Hopes or Cameron Helps. You know, excuse me. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, when he when he died, it just it was just such a shock. Um, 
for me personally. I mean, it just didn't, didn't make any sense because he was he was a really great kid. And anyway, it's good. It's you know, it's changing now. People are starting to talk about it more. Uh, I, I I think in the U.S. as well, but certainly in Canada, it's it's uh, come a long way. Uh, there's more dollars being thrown, you know, being put up, put towards uh, mental health and education and so on. But it's uh, certainly got a long way to go. But anyway. Well, thanks. Thanks for your part. And I know, as you said, you know, many people struggle behind masks and it's it's hard to identify, yeah. especially with teenagers and young people. And um, yeah, absolutely. having that access to a running group and to running therapy is is making a huge yeah. difference. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, anyway, well, thank you again. Yeah. I know we said we'd keep it to about 20 minutes here and I I really appreciate your time, and I wish you all the yeah, best. Yeah, yeah, no, 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 not a worry. I'm really, really happy to talk to you, and hopefully it'll make a difference for somebody. That's all I care about. Well, thanks again, David, and I look forward to yeah. talking to you more in, in the near future. Good luck with uh, the next yeah, yeah. Mississauga Marathon. Yeah, yeah, cheers, and, and uh, best of luck with, uh, with your daughter. Thank you so much. Nils Blondin, welcome to the program. Well, Very, thanks for having me. No problem. We're really excited to have you and just to learn a little bit more from the coordinator and manager of Unbreakable. Um, Excellent. All the programs that you do. I'm super excited to to uh, hear about your experience. How how mm-hmm. how did you find them? And how I know you're a runner. How did you uh, through running find Unbreakable? Oh, that's that's a great question. So I mean, at the time, so this would have been in 2016. I was working for an organization in the Regent Park in Toronto called Pathways, and uh, you know, I was trying, to, I was looking for a change of pace. So I was just on a, I was on a job board called Charity Village, which is a not-for-profit job board uh, based out of Toronto, and I came across this job that seemed almost impossible because it was, it, it spoke to me in every conceivable way. It was a running and mental health initiative. Um, and I looked at the requirements and I looked what they were looking for in a candidate and I just, every box was ticked off. Like I, I fit it all. So it was perfect for me. So I went in there for an, inter- I applied, I got called back. I went in for an interview. Uh, and, uh, you know, the, re- the rest is history. That's awesome. Nils, are, yeah. are you, so from what David briefly mentioned to me, not, you know, you're welcome to share as much as you'd like, but I know course, that you yeah. have experience both with running and with mental health issues or mental health background yeah, um, yeah. would you like to um you know share how those coincided yeah, I, I can share whatever i mean yeah, i can share as much as i mean really so um is, is the question about my background with with mental health or just how i found running through my background with mental health both or either whatever you care both to share either? Yeah. well i mean so my my running journey is a bit interesting I, i'm definitely not what you would call a natural runner <laughs> uh you know I, I never had i was any, any sort of partiality towards the sport as a kid in fact i really really disliked it i mean you could say i actually hated it um you know i i avoided running as often as i could in high school i avoided running as often as i could as a youth uh, i was more of a basketball player that's what i enjoyed and, you know, I went through a period, um, you know, through my teenage years and into my early adulthood, I had, I had some pretty serious uh, problems with addiction um, and, and alcoholism. And there was a man in my neighborhood who was actually a recovering alcoholic. He'd been sober for a long time. At the time, I believe it was over 20 years. And he also happened to be a, very, a seasoned marathon runner hmm. uh, and a pretty accomplished track and 
cross country athlete while in high school. He actually is from the States. Hmm. Um, and he had his own problems and, you know, he fell out of the sport, but as he came into his, as he came into his sobriety, he rediscovered his passion for running and it became, you know, a pretty essential cog in what he did for his own mental health, you know, and spiritual well-being. And, um, so I met this guy and, you know, we started talking and at first, you know, it was just around, you know, what I was going through and, you know, how he, you know, how he wanted, how he thought he could help me. And then the conversations kind of turned more into the, well, you know, I run and I find that really helps me with things like my anxiety and my depression. It really helped me get sober. And I was wondering if you'd like to join me sometime, hmm. you know, and of course there was a lot of fear there. Um, you know, as I said, I wasn't a runner. I didn't have proper shoes. I didn't have any proper gear. And I'm looking at this guy, you know, he's a seasoned marathon runner. <laughs> I was scared he'd judge me. I was scared I wouldn't be able to keep up, you know, all the very common, uh, common fears and uh, eventually talked me into it, you know, and it started out, it started out as just a few five minute jogs. And then, you know, from there, uh, it just grew and grew. And then, you know, I went on to get, I get to get sober. I've, I've been sober now for over 10 years and uh, running's just always been a part of that journey for me. And he started it, you know, and, you know, I've, I've ran marathons, I've ran half marathons, I've ran many, many races. Uh, you know, I was part of a semi-competitive club for a long time. Uh, and it's always just been there. It's always been a supplement to whatever else I've done to stay well. Hmm. Um, so, you know, the unbreakable mission, it really spoke to me on, on a very deep personal level. I completely identify with uh, using running as a tool. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, that's, that's the, the abridged version of how it, how it all went down. It's amazing. And, you know, you think yeah. of the crossover between mental health and addiction and how many mm -hmm. people's lives it touches as teenagers and young adults. And Absolutely. Um, that's uh, that's a sweet spot. I think, you know, not just in Toronto, obviously, but in many, many parts of, of the world. Um, oh, absolutely. I mean, there's a lot of fascinating things that are done actually in the addictions field with running. I believe I don't know if it's still around, but I know at one point I forget where in Italy, but there was a treatment center. Uh, predicated on getting their uh, on getting their inpatients to actually train for a marathon, huh. like that was the crux of the entire uh, center. So wow. I thought that was really interesting. I mean, I came across that a few years ago. All right. Uh, I can't speak to it specifically because I don't know enough about it off the top of my head. But I remember reading something about that. And I mean, it, you know, if, if you spend a lot of time. In the running community, at least in Toronto, you'll you'll encounter a lot of people who have the same story as me. So there's obviously mm. something there, right? Yeah, yeah, that's that's incredible. And finding that mm. community to support and um, it's everything. Yeah, it's, it, it, there's so many tears that it hits, and that's kind of the message I try imparting on the kids that I work with in Team Unbreakable. Right, the multiple tiers that running hits. You have the structure, you have the goal setting, you have the supportive community. Uh, yeah, it's it's really great. So. <laughs> Now, as you started working with Team Unbreakable Nils, did you find that it was almost natural for, for kids to pick this up once they got going with a group, or has, has it been challenging to start up groups at, at schools? <laughs> well, there's always challenges. I mean, you know, when you work for a charity or not-for-profit, there's, there, there's obviously there's the bureaucratic challenges, there's, there's administrative challenges, and then there's actually the on-the-ground frontline challenges. I mean, you know... Certain kids are more receptive than others. Uh, in high school, it's more of a challenge because, I mean, 
you have that almost very fundamental kind of teenage apathy, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and then you're c- coupled with the, the beast that is the internet and the iPhone and everything else kind of, and the, the video games are pulling the weight, pulling them away from physical activity. Uh, it's a lot easier of a sell uh, in elementary and middle school grades, uh, but it does work in high schools. And oftentimes what I found when I work with high schools, the most effective the program is, is when I get a captive audience in the form of a class, right? So when I actually get to go in and work with a gym class, right? So they're already there. It's mandatory they attend. And what they find oftentimes, even if they're very resistant to the program and to the sport, by the time they make it to the event and run the event, their perception has changed. And then I start seeing those kids at other events. And that's the really magical thing about it, right? So really, it's just about getting them there. And once they get there and they get that experience, that's when the magic happens, at least that I've seen. That's incredible. Now, Nils, correct me if I understand this uh, differently, but essentially you have a curriculum in which they're kind of set up to have these inspirational talks for several weeks building up to uh building up mm-hmm. to a race is that is that the basic description so so essentially the program works like this so you have there's not always a speaker at every one because we have multiple schools and not, uh, not enough speakers so what what what, are, what it is it's a so it's a running program where each student gets a log book where they track a number of traditional metrics like distance, time, et cetera. But what they're also tracking, uh, which differs from the traditional logbook, is how they feel mm. mentally before and after the exercise. So we're beginning to get them aware of, of how uh, regular ex- exercise positively impacts mood and performance, right? On top of that, there's something we call a mental health toolkit which explores a variety of themes from physical health, mental health, motivation, mindfulness, goal setting, nutrition, etc. And then while they're being taken through this entire process, I do the best I can to get speakers and guest facilitators with a similar story of, uh, uh, you know, a story, a story similar to mine oftentimes to come in and motivate them and inspire them and share their journey with the kids. Hmm. And they're all training towards this five kilometer event that while well, we throw multiple events, if it's the fall, they're doing their training for the bold and cold. If it's the spring, they're training for the unbreakable 5K. So they're all training towards this event that we facilitate. And it's a real event. It's open to the community. You know, they get medals and everything. It's like a real race experience for them. Mm-hmm. And, you know, 85% of the time, you know, the majority of the kids have never done anything like that. So right. it's really cool for them. Having that so hopefully, hopefully that clear th- uh, provided you with a bit of clarity surrounding exactly what the program looks like on the ground. Definitely, yeah. Having that infrastructure, that's that's really helpful, especially mm-hmm. when it's in the area uh, like mm-hmm. that. Um, when you're trying to share resources like the curriculum and um, the kind of plan for a 14-week course with people outside of the Toronto area, um, mm-hmm. how have you seen that work? And you know, what would you suggest to people? Well, I mean, what what, what we're doing now. So, what I have been doing uh, up until this point is kind of having, ironically enough, Google Hangouts <laughs> with, uh, with remote, uh, remote locations where I walk them through the material, right, you know, to a point where they feel comfortable with it. And then I'll actually mail them the physical materials like the logbooks, and I'll oversee it from afar as well as I can and provide any remote support that I can, hmm. right? Um, right now what we're doing is we're actually in the process of restructuring some of our material to make it more accessible to people so they feel more confidence 
to roll it out without actual staff oversight, right? Mm. Uh, and it's also, you know, it's also for the teachers, right? Because the teachers are often pretty embattled. They have a lot going on. Uh, so we're trying to make our, our resource <coughs> material easier for them to present to their students so it doesn't feel like they're doing additional teaching on top of what they're already doing, right? Um, so, yeah. So think, you know, we're, we're a bit of flux with that right now, but that's a bit on that. So hopefully that answered the question. Uh, definitely. Um, as, as you reach out to teachers and schools, what are some other organizations that you found, um, you know, have reached out to you or have even implemented a program? Uh, so right now, actually, so in terms of, uh, so outside of schools, we do have a few community programs, the Maple, the MLSC Launchpad, okay. which is a massive community hub funded entirely by Maple Leaf Sports Entertainment. You know, they own the Raptors, they own the Marlies, they own the Maple Leafs, uh, they own... Toronto FC. So that's been really cool. That's like one of our first big community programs. Mm -hmm. I've gotten some, I've gotten uh, some emails from some community health centers. I've gotten some emails from some, just some community centers that run youth programming. So it's a pretty diverse uh, set of uh, social service providers that have reached out to me and kind of inquired about how they can get stuff started. And now we're in the process of getting that started for them. That's fantastic. And all, all those, all those services are offered free through grants uh, from what I understand. Yep. They're all free. Yeah. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah. I mean, the role of any social service provider or youth worker should be to create opportunities and then make those opportunities as accessible as possible to the community you're supporting. That, that's my MO. All right. Well, you're, I know that one of the goals is to expand and provide more into, into the states and in other countries. So I hope that the podcast can help to spread the word and that you'll get some more inquiries uh, oh, yeah. from, That'd from be abroad. Great, man. That'd be great. <laughs> All right. Well, Nils, I, I really appreciate your time and taking time just to share a little bit of your life and um, and the work that you all do. No, yeah, no, no problem. Thank you for having me on. Yeah, and happy running, Nils. Yeah, yeah, same <laughs> to you. All right. And thanks to all of you for joining us today. We appreciate the time that you invested in learning from these amazing individuals. hope that you'll be able to use it and share it and inspire others. Links to everything we talk about, as well as the organization's, can be found on our blog site, runninganthropologist.com. You can also follow us or message us on Instagram or Facebook. You can, of course, subscribe to the podcast and share it with others. If you have a unique idea or a corner of running culture, we'd love to hear about it. Shoot us a message. Last but not least, we have an amazing individual next week, William Pullen. If you've ever thought about applying some of this to your own life, looking at questions, journaling, meditation, he gives you a framework for doing so with his book and his free app, Dynamic Running Therapy. Until next week, wish you happy running. <laughs>